episode, Katie Zaccardi joins us to talk about being a financially stable musician, tips and tricks to managing finances, and reducing shame around the money conversation. Katie is a coach and educator for musicians, music teachers, and music coaches, helping them grow their business and bank accounts while ditching overwhelm, self-doubt, and burnout for good. After dedicating 10 plus years of her life to the music industry as a student, indie artist, and music industry professional, and creating a life of freedom, abundance, and music for herself, she founded Out to Be to give music entrepreneurs the tools, support, and motivation to do the same. I think this topic has seen its share of being taboo. So let's just dive on in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Able Voice Podcast with Haley and Kim. Hello. Today, we are joined by the lovely Katie to talk about how to be um, financially stable, creative, and all that comes with that and some of the tips and tricks that you've learned along the way. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is a topic actually that Kim and I talk about frequently because of the conversation that creative professions are not sustainable careers in general, Mm -hmm. but also like, what are the ways that we can prove that stigma wrong? Like, Mm -hmm. why does that stigma exist? And what are the things that we can do to avoid that becoming a reality for ourselves? And so... We we usually have a, a bunch of different creatives that come onto the show between music therapists and people that are just part of the creative world in general. Um, and we like to learn a little bit more about how they got to where they are in their journey currently. So we'd love to learn a little bit more about you if you'd like to tell us about yourself and what you're up to and all the wonderful things that you have going on. Sure. So I'm Katie. I like to call myself a strategy and mindset coach for musicians and music professionals or entrepreneurs. Um, I really started my business actually as a wellness coach. So I've been a musician my whole life, studied it in school, worked in music publishing and a bunch of different areas of the industry. Um, But I had gone through a period of burnout myself that I kind of had to come back from and didn't really have a support system to do it. So I got my yoga teacher training. I just kind of like learned from the health and wellness coaches and accounts and stuff that was out there, how to get myself back from this burnout and how to like set better boundaries. And, um, you know, in the music industry, I feel like there's a lot of drinking and no sleeping and staying out late. And it's like, if you love it very much like money where it's like, if you love it, you'll just do it and you won't make money. It's also like, if you love it, you'll just do it and like totally run yourself ragged because you love it. And I was like, no. (laughs) I was like, I am like useless without sleep. I'm useless if I'm not taking care of myself. So I really had to figure out how to set those boundaries. And then I realized that a lot of other, particularly women in music were struggling with the same things. 
So I started um, with wellness coaching, but I love strategy. I love talking about how to make money, how to get yourself out there, how to grow your fan base, all of that stuff. So pretty quick after that, I would always do that with my clients anyway. And then I pretty much outwardly started marketing that and creating programs around it. Um, so now what I do is yes, very strategy focused, but with the, um, really like, um, mission and methodology that you can't have one without the other, like mindset and well-being is integral to your success as is strategy. So I work on both of those things with my clients. That's awesome. I feel like I'm already resonating so much with what you're saying, just as, you know, as a musician, as a creative, as a music therapist, as someone who has experienced burnout and seen a lot of burnouts in other people. So I'm really fascinated by what you do and I'm excited to hear all about it. (laughs) And you talked a little bit about, you know, the fact that you took your experience to create for yourself. So, but I'm wondering, like, was this a gradual experience? Was there, was there like a pivotal moment or pivotal, um, element or just at what point did you decide that you're going to take your experience as this musician and as yourself as an entrepreneur and realize, Hey, I can do this. I can become a, you know, strategy and mindset coach or wellness coach or um, making it real. That's a good question. So I first started experiencing anxiety and kind of burnout from that when I was in college. And, um, it, you know, then I got a job and like did my yoga teacher training and kind of, that was all a blur. And I was like working a million different jobs at once and like took on like a bunch of side hustles and was doing my own artist career and still really not making much money. Like I was basically just living off of like a crappy salary. And, um, I kind of just got to a point where I was like, okay, I did, I was doing two things alongside working full-time. I was doing two things. The first was internally, I was really working on my own health and well-being. I had had people tell me like, I have really bad allergies. I was struggling with anxiety. Like I was starting to just be like inflamed and moody, like all the time and had people just be like, you'll always have allergies. You're always going to feel like this. And I got to the point where I was like, this cannot be true. Like again, very similar to how many people might be feeling about money. I was like, I refuse to accept that my reality is I'm going to feel like shit for the rest of my life. And same with money. At a certain point, I was like, I refuse to accept that I will get paid garbage just because I work in music for the rest of my life. So, um, I was really doing this like internal journey of working on my own health and burnout and well-being. And then I also was working or volunteering basically, because it was a nonprofit um, where our whole staff was volunteer, but I was basically second in command for a startup called women crush music, where we helped women in music grow their careers. And we had chapters all across the country, eventually started online initiatives. And so I had really, really, really started to experience and just love like being an entrepreneur. Cause even though we weren't making money with the nonprofit just yet, like it was extremely entrepreneurial in terms of like starting up a new initiative, trying to get fundraising, managing teams, growing. Like I was obsessed with it. I would spend like all of my extra time doing it. Um, but eventually I was like, okay, I'm spending all of my time at my job doing this. The nonprofit is not going to make me money. My current job doesn't make me a a lot of money. Like what am I going to do? And so through a couple of conversations with close friends, including a lot of the people who worked at woman crush at the time, Um, we, I basically decided, okay, I think I can start this coaching thing. Like a lot of fitness and wellness coaches were popping up and I didn't see a ton of music coaches doing it at the time. 
Um, but that is what made me want to start it because I was like, I was having migraines like every day. Like I just could not. And I still stand by this, like going into the office, commuting, working freaking 10 to six, sitting in the same chair all day with no breaks. Like that is not for me. It will never be for me. I honestly don't think it's for most people. And it was so damaging to my physical and mental health that I was like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I have no choice, but to not do this and figure something else out. So that was a really big turning point because I, um, decided at that point that I was going to start my business. So I took on like a part-time freelance marketing job so that I knew that, uh, basically all, or at least a good chunk of my expenses were covered, but I had a lot more flexibility. Um, and then I could supplement and grow my business and bring in, you know, the money as needed with that. Um, luckily at the time I didn't have too many expenses. So I was able to, you know, start slow, but that was really the turning point where I was just like, I cannot do this anymore. Like I cannot be in this soul sucking job. And I liked the people. I didn't mind what I was doing, but I just felt so physically ill and it wasn't even paying. It's not like I was getting a hundred K salary or more. And it's like, Oh yeah. I'm like balling in money. Like I was making like not a lot of money and it was sucking my soul. So I was like, this is not this is not it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's really funny that you say that because I, I think that all of the conversations we've had about burnout and, and what leads to that, there is always this sign that people have, whether it's physical or internal, or, you know, a, just, just a guttural feeling that somebody has within themselves that is like, okay, I need to make a shift. In some way, there are signs that are leading you toward your next step and you just have to have the courage to take it. And when I think about entrepreneurship as a new direction for someone, there's also this stereotype that not everybody can be an entrepreneur. It takes a certain person to be an entrepreneur. And um, you learned through your experience working with the startup, was it a nonprofit startup, that Mm -hmm. Uh, you really loved this work. You really loved being an entrepreneur and and doing those tasks. I wonder, do you think that there's a, a certain type of person that can be an entrepreneur or can everybody assume that in some way? Okay. I don't, I do not think it's for everyone. I'm not going to lie. I do not think it's for everyone. Honestly, same with just like being a musician, like as a profession, I am very much anti-hustle culture as in, I don't think you should be like, again, sacrificing your sanity, your mental health, your physical health to make something happen. But it takes a lot of hard work and determination to actually succeed as an entrepreneur. Um, I'm very into manifestation and that like woo woo stuff, but like it takes both. Like, I think that sometimes, um, sometimes it is easier to just work for someone else. It's more pleasant. It's less stressful. Even if you're a musician and you want to make money in music, sometimes getting a part-time job where you don't have to think a lot, but you can still, you know, be making like, maybe it's an admin job or And I'm not saying that, you know, those kinds of jobs aren't demanding, but it's not like you're having to be fully creative or something like that, or be solely in charge of your money, (laughs) like in everything that goes with it. Sometimes that does take a lot of stress off. Um, And so I actually think 
I was just having a conversation with a friend about this this morning because I think that there's been a very big push in the music industry for everyone to turn into an entrepreneur and for everyone to turn into a coach. And I think that is actually very concerning and damaging because, you know, I don't want to say like not everyone's cut out for it because that sounds like, oh, you're weaker or you're less than. It's not about that. It's just that like some people don't like to lead. Some people aren't leaders. Some people just don't. And there's nothing with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Like if we were all leaders, that wouldn't really work out. Sometimes people are better at bigger picture. And sometimes people are better at nitty gritty details. Like sometimes people just want that like stable paycheck where you go and you work X amount of hours and then you come home and then you don't have to think about work. When you are an entrepreneur, you are thinking about work literally 24 seven. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, you can say that again. <laughs> yeah. So I think like, uh, if you see the TikTok trend that, or the sound, that's like, I didn't want to work nine to five. So now I work 24 <laughs> seven. And it's like all these entrepreneurs, that's literally what it is. Like, and again, when you love what you do, I feel like I work a lot and I also have a lot of flexibility. So I'm able to still take care of myself and not feel like I'm hustling, quote unquote. But there's always this thing in the back of my mind of like, I am in charge of making my own money. I am in charge of sustaining myself. I am in charge of, you know, if I have employees like doing that. So it's not for everyone. And there's no shame either way, whether you want to be an entrepreneur or not. But but I do not think that we should be pressuring everyone into doing it. Um, and I even see a lot of, again, I was just talking to my friend about this and a lot of coaches who I love, like coaches who I know and love, but they kind of have this bait and switch programming where it's like, oh, you want to make money in music? Join my program. I'll show you how to you know, make a living from music. But then what you actually learn is like how to become a coach. And I teach people how to coach too and how to make money doing that. But I don't think that you should do that unless you actively want to do that, you know, because you can make money to sustain yourself in a million different ways. It doesn't have to be through entrepreneurship or coaching. Um, It can be, but it doesn't have to be. No, I think that's important to say, right? Because again, to reiterate, it's not that, that, you know, because you're not an entrepreneur, you're less than or, or any of that, or that you can't be an entrepreneur, but it, it comes back down to that intention and that connection to what we do or what we love. And, um, you know, if, if you're striving to be an entrepreneur simply for financial stability, but you hate every second of it. You don't like the, all the other elements, the, um, you know, the networking portions, the administrative portions, all that comes with it. You're just going to end back up in that place of, of burnout or dislike. And so I, I think that's yeah. a really important distinction to make between how we find our path and how we connect with it. And also to highlight the fact that, you know, you, what you mentioned earlier, you know, you were finding your love of, um, entrepreneurship while you were working for a nonprofit. And so, you know, that financial stability wasn't necessarily the driving piece of, of entrepreneur at that time, because you were just, you know, there wasn't a financial piece there, but there was so much more that was coming into it. So there's so much that goes along with that entrepreneurial journey. And yeah, and I, I, I'm really deeply resonating with your approach to life work harmony and the fact that, you know, you're like, anti-hustle culture, because I think that's something that so many of us have grown up within. And um, it just becomes the norm of, yep, I'm finished, quote unquote, finished work for the day, but I'm constantly thinking about how I can do better, how I can bring in that extra buck, how I can 
um, develop resources or do whatever. And it's so important to find those boundaries so that you're not feeling the pressure to work, you know, 7 p.m. to 10 or 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. because there's the room for life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I also like that you highlighted the fact about, uh, or the piece about responsibility. When you're an entrepreneur, you are the person that is responsible Mm. for everything related to your business. And so there's that extra pressure that comes with that, that you have to be able to take on and be ready, you know, mentally to take on um, when you're running a business. But also then there's that responsibility for how you're serving other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have this wonderful or a couple wonderful programs that you've developed along with the things that you do also for your own creativity, your music, um, and, and, and helping to market all of that. But how do you help music entrepreneurs multiply their income without stress and self-doubt um, within that journey of theirs? Yeah. So my programs have evolved over the years. And so now um, my last focus for the last, honestly, like year at this point has been my newest program, which is the audience builder. So this kind of was birthed because a couple years ago, I've been working with one-on-one and group coaching clients and just realized that like, they all wanted to make money, make money, make money, but they didn't know their brand and they didn't have a social media following. And you know, you can make money outside of that, like through sync or, you know, there's other ways that, you know, if you gig at like wineries or do wedding stuff, like technically you can do that and kind of get hooked up with that without having to have a fan base. But if you want to have a Patreon, if you want people to come to your own gigs, if you want to do sponsorships, brand deals, you know, VIP meet and greets, like any of that stuff, you need a fan base. If you want to get signed, you need a fan base because people want to see that you can make money and that you have fans. So, um, I really just went back to the drawing board and I was like, how do we kind of take it back to like the first foundational steps? So that's what, how I created my program, the audience builder. And even though you technically won't learn how to make money, quote unquote, in that program, cause it's mostly about brand and audience building. If you do not know your brand and if you do not have an audience, you cannot really generate large amounts of income because you can't sell to no one. So even for musicians who have been doing this for years and years, I just noticed that so many of them still don't really know like what their message is or how to show up on social media and how to connect with people. Um, So that's like where I'm putting a lot of my time and energy and coaching into right now. Even people will come to me for one-on-one and I'm like, "Mm, you got to do this. Like you got to do this before we go any further. Um, But I also have programs I've out to launch, which is a program that I run with Brie Noble, where we do help coaches uh, and teachers to grow and scale their businesses online or start grow and scale online. Um, so if that is what you're wanting to do, we have a program for that. And I have a program called out to launch Patreon edition where we launch Patreons, which is another great way to make money. Um, so those are really the three main things that I have running now. And I do sometimes work with clients one-to-one and have plans to do some in-person events and bring back a mastermind of mine. But I found that like, before you get to the sales, before you get to the Patreon creation or pitching, you know, your coaching services, you need people to sell to. So we can't forget that like crucial first step. Yeah. You can't jump the gun there and just expect the sales to be rolling in. Hey, you gotta yeah. Make those connections. yeah. And I think there's a lot of rhetoric that's like, you can start today. Just 
create your offer and put it out there. And mm. it's like, okay, did you warm up your audience? Are they even interested in this? Do you even have people to speak to? Like, and certainly there's a lot you can do with just your network, but you know, there's a lot that goes into sales. Like you can't just show up tomorrow. And this is like what I teach in, in my Patreon program. It's like a lot of people think, oh, it'll take me one day to create my Patreon page. I can get started tomorrow. That's true. But like, do your patrons want your perks? Do your fans want what you've actually put into this? We don't know. Are they ready to join? Probably not because you haven't talked about this until the day you're launching it. And so they have no idea what it is. They have no idea why it's beneficial to them. And so there's so many different like aspects that you need to build upon in order to actually make a sale. You know, I used to get really frustrated listening to business podcasts where it was like, all you have to do is put out your offer and get 10 people to join. And then you made a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, how do I get all these people to join? Like, <laughs> it's not actually that simple, right? Like, so there it's because there's building blocks, blocks. There's, there's phases of the buying process that your fans have to go through. Uh, and again, if you want to make big numbers, it means you have to have more fans. So like, we just need to consider all these factors. Yeah. 100%. It's like that, um, distinction of all those messages being like, yeah, come and post your thing, put whatever out into the world. And it's, that's great in theory, but in practice, just as you said, there's so many stepping stones before we get to that point of um, really authentically knowing your brand and knowing who you are and knowing who your audience is so that you can connect with them or um, yeah, deeper those relationships so that they want to keep coming back. I know I might sound like a Debbie Downer here where I'm like, it's not that easy, but it's just that it can be easy. It can be fun. It's not like it has to be this huge struggle. It's just that I think that there's, it's like a spectrum. Like again, I'm anti-burnout, but then there's another side of the spectrum where it's just like, say what you want and it'll come and manifest what you want. And it's yours immediately. And if you just put the thing out there, you'll get it. And it's like, okay, there's a middle of the line where we do have to put in the work. And we can, you know, manifest and and get really clear on our intentions and put it out there. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to, it's just going to all work out magically. Like you've got to do something to make it happen as well. And you got to be strategic about it and smart about it. So learning these things is going to help you get further faster. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's like you said before, like that, that balance between what you really want and what, like that reality that you see for yourself, but also with putting in that work and not just being like, this can't be the truth, but. I'm not going to do anything about it. In some ways, I also think that the music therapy community will really resonate with that because fundamentally trying to market or advocate for yourself and your services as a music therapist, you have to go through some of those stepping stones in order for people to buy into the service. Because one, it's getting people to understand what the heck music therapy is, which every single music therapist has to go through that. Like, (laughs) what the heck is music therapy? What are we buying into? Why should we get services from you? Like, that is a crucial part of every music therapist story. (laughs) And it's really easy to forget that you have to educate your audience about this because like, you as a music therapist know what it is and have been studying it and doing your job for years. Same with like, if a musician's going to like release an album or launch a Patreon, it's like, I've been working on the album for months or I've been prepping the Patreon for months. Okay. But your fans haven't, they don't know what this is. They don't know how much work you've put in. They haven't been thinking about this for months like you have. So same with getting clients or, you know, getting people to work with like, 
you're thinking about what you do and you've studied this and you know how to, how to be a music therapist, but potential clients or potential people to work with don't just know this. They don't know what it is. They don't know what's beneficial. They don't know why they should join. They don't know how it's going to change their life. Like you have to educate them on these things. Yeah. That's an interesting spin too, of like that. I don't want to say disconnection, but I guess perhaps it is a disconnection if we don't think about it of like, we get so in our worlds of what we're doing. And like you said, spending hours and every breath on something that we're working on um, that sometimes we forget that connection of how are we going to display that to everyone else? How are we going to tell our story? How are we going to connect with that? Yeah. It gets difficult too, when you're trying to communicate those ideas with an online audience. I've heard often Mm -hmm. that people are like Instagram followers or, or Twitter followers or, I don't know, TikTok followers now don't equate to the number of sales. So just because you have this many number of followers on your social media platforms doesn't necessarily mean that they're those are the people that are going to buy into whatever you're selling. You still need the story. You still need the connection for them as your audience. Why, why is it that they're going to buy from you? Why is it that they're going to buy into what you are selling? Um, And it has to still resonate with them, no matter if you have a big audience or not. And, you know, I think um, another really important piece to consider, and and that's all such great content um, to be able to considering and to be thinking of and to be able to come to you, Katie, to to get some coaching on and guidance on. Um, And I think you mentioned earlier, you know, when you were starting up your business that you didn't have too, too many expenses. So you were able to kind of start slow. Um, And I think that financial piece is a really big part of um, well, I mean, it's a lot of the reason that why people go to work is we're trying to sustain and we're trying to find ways to be financially stable. And it can be tricky to manage those finances to know, you know, how much can I invest in my ideal future, in my career, in this product that I'm putting out? Um, how much do I need to be bringing back in? How do I see all of that in a budget form? So, and a lot of creatives and a lot of music therapists don't necessarily have you know, formal financial management training. It's something we pick up on the way. And for some people, they dig in and thrive. And for some people, it's overwhelming. I wonder if there are any tips or tricks or lessons that you've learned along your journey for managing finances or keeping that manageable and not overwhelming. Well, I actually created a like mini course called the uh, Wealthy Musician Bundle that is all around this because I did have to learn it by myself. Like I, I mean, I studied music business in school, but still like, I feel like why why are we not teaching people how to like create a spend plan and like, Hey, you've got to be making as much money as you're spending. And so many musicians I worked with who genuinely did not know how credit cards worked and that credit cards accrued interest and, and that you had to pay it off at a certain date. And again, it is not their fault. If you don't know how it works, it is not your fault. Honestly, I just feel like as a culture, we're not open talking about money. In terms of how I manage my money, I did create, uh, I use the tracker that is inside of the Wealthy Musician Bundle. And that the bundle also comes with like uh, video trainings and stuff. But um, I just use a tracker that I go in regularly and I do a monthly sit down um, at, on the first of every month. I create a spend plan for both my personal um, expenses and spending and my business. I kind of divide it up as to like, here's the things that I know are recurring and unchanging. And then here's the things like, 
you know, groceries and going out. So I budget those personal expenses. And then I also know what my business expenses are each month because I'm an entrepreneur. I have to set aside money for taxes. So I have to take that into account. What I would recommend is really figuring out what your monthly expenses are before you like quit and go full-time as an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship can be unpredictable. You can make a different amount month to month. You just want to make sure that you're not getting underwater by like trusting um, or relying on a salary that is less than you make. At the end of each day, I'll usually go in and also add that into the income place of my tracker. And then on the first of each month, I'll go through and say, how much did I make? Once I've put money aside for taxes, paid myself, paid all of my personal and, and business expenses, then I'll put any extra money that's kind of like left over towards any financial goals that I have. You can put your extra money towards obviously paying off that debt, especially if it's high interest, because that's going to be accruing a lot of interest. So you want to pay that down. And where can I maybe negotiate things so that payments are lower so that I can be paying as low as possible in a lot of areas. There's a lot at play when it comes to managing finances for sure. And it's not easy if you haven't had any formal training, like Kim said. In my program at school, like we had one business class and I don't think it was even a business class. I had one voluntary elective that I took that was a business class and that had nothing to do with finances which is a crucial piece. I feel like a lot of us are graduating from university as music therapists and then sent out into the world. And a lot of us are actually taking on these entrepreneurship roles because there aren't as many jobs uh, as employees out there for us. We have to make our own way in some way. We need to know how to manage our finances. And so it's a novelty in a lot of cases where we're having to figure out how to balance a budget, how to create a budget or a spend plan. I love the idea of a spend plan because I'm somebody who loves to spend money on food and activities. Mm. And I like that you said there's no shame in spending money because yeah. I feel like there 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 is a certain shame around using your money in ways that will also bring you pleasure outside of what you're doing professionally. Yeah. There is also this, this, this shame around just talking about like how much you're making, how much, you know, you're charging people, how much, you know, money you, you, or how much your expenses are like just the conversation around money is very taboo. I find in no matter what profession you're in, but, well, I'm sure if you're like a lawyer, you might want to just put it on blast how much money you're making, but there's no difference between the success of somebody who is in like that public facing successful job to somebody who is a creative. I think that we could be on the same level. We are just not talking enough with one another and on ways to get to that place. Yeah. And I think we're in a phase right now where a lot of people in all professions are really fighting for more wage transparency and uh, higher wages. I mean, just like there just seems to be such a big discrepancy, like where, you know, we have inflation, but also just like housing prices are going up, but salaries aren't. And it's like, how do you expect us to be able to like go far? You know, I also have privilege because first of all, I'm white. I know that like 
and I'm well-educated. So that puts me in front of a lot of people. Unfortunately, I think that that's something we need to be more aware of and lift other people up. But also I could live at home with my parents who lived outside of New York city during the first few years of my career. So I was able to take a job that paid me 34,000 a year, which honestly, I don't know how I would have survived on that if I wasn't living with my parents. That was my salary right out of college. And it's like, could other people have taken that if they had to pay rent? And if they had to do that, like, who knows? Well, what else would they have done? Like, there's just so many factors to this. Um, So many different like privileges within that. So many different ways that like some people are able to get ahead of others. Um, I, I really try to acknowledge my own privilege within that because I know that that really helped me starting my business. But then again, I also think like now I'm older and I'm, am single and I like have a dog and like, it's all on me. Like I don't, if my business doesn't do well for a few months, like I got to just figure it out. I don't have anyone else who's like there to support me. You know what I mean? I don't have a partner to figure it out with and to have a dual income with. So, um, I just feel like we need to do better. So especially single women, it's like, we deserve to get paid. We deserve to be paid and live the lives that we want to live. And I don't know that I don't think that that's available to a lot of people in a lot of industries. And so I really love how people are fighting for that more now. And I think in the creative industries as well, things are usually a lot more inconsistent and contract based. And so it can be harder to do that. Also, the music industry is just like known for being you know, of the mindset of like, it's normal to not get paid a lot. And it's also normal to, you know, do what you love. So you're fine with doing it. And that's bullshit. I think that we need to be a lot more um, persistent with negotiating salaries from the get-go, which I did not know to do when I first got a job and I should have, right? Like negotiate your salaries, negotiate your contracts, fight for more. Worst case scenario, they say no. And then you can decide if you want to accept it or not. But you know, I understand it's a tricky situation because for a lot of people, it's like, well, it's this job or nothing. Like I need to make some money. And so I'm not an expert. I don't know how we like fully overcome this, but I do think that when we can to just like try to fight for more and not accept less whenever you can, that will hopefully start to move the needle a little bit so that we can bump these salaries up. We can bump these wages up and we can all be making more and stop settling for less. Again, I don't have all the answers. I don't know all the solutions, but that's just kind of like my mindset and my approach about it. Cause I'm like, this is not, we should not be just settling for garbage, you know, income just because we're in a field that we love. Yeah. Heck yes. Snaps all around, like (laughs) say it louder for the people in the back. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you've both said. And like, I do think that a big part of it comes down to these conversations that we're having right now and that other people have because, um, I'm sure this was many people's experience, but growing up, like I, I, we didn't really talk a lot about finances in any circles and it's rude to ask someone their salary and it's rude to talk about finances. And I don't fully understand why. Um, and I think that that's, that's part of the reason where we don't, you know, we don't ask for our worth because it's rude. It's, it's inappropriate for us to, to, to not take what's offered to us. And, um, And then we end up with so many questions of, okay, well, what should someone in this field be making? What does a a music therapist make? Like, what are my expenses? What's a good, quote unquote, good salary? 
And then we place judgment on that. And then we place judgment on how we're spending our money. Like Haley, it's totally awesome that you like spending money on activities and things that help you to live your life. And even having to say that and knowing that there's judgment on that, like I get judgment too. And I'm self-conscious about when I'm spending things because of judgments that are in place. But why? Yep. We literally make money so that we can live. We like, yes, we need to sustain ourselves and we need to spend things on expenses, but we are here for such a short time and we all have like different things that give us joy, different things that um, contribute to our life's purpose and worth and joy. And yeah, we do deserve to live the lives that we want and we should be able to like bring in revenue and spend revenue in the ways that we are passionate about and want to, and, um, you know, be able to have these open conversations so that we can learn and finance, like finance isn't really that scary of a, a, a realm that we've made it to be. Um, and I, I do think it's because we've closed off those, those conversations a lot. And, um, you know, it, it scared the crap out of me for most of my life. And I knew nothing about finances until, you know, the past few years when I fell into a position that had me heavily working on finances and then we fell into synergy and I'm, um, you know, I've been an entrepreneur myself too. I say kind of by accident, partially because I didn't understand the definition <laughs> of an entrepreneur. Um, but you know, you figure it out on your way. And once you, um, you know, once you're in it and you're managing your finances and you're feeling comfortable with it and you feel okay asking those questions and talking about it, it's actually, for me, at least I kind of find it an exciting piece of what we do. Um, but it's when there's all these secrets and closed off conversations and judgments and shame that you're like, nope, I'm not a finance person. I'm not touching money. Let, yeah. let me do something else. <laughs> so thank you, Katie, for like creating these programs and these accessible means for people to learn more yeah. about the areas that they might be uncomfortable in or not know much about and empower them to actually ask those questions to to learn and to to get some experience in these areas and to help them develop as not only a professional but also probably in some ways as a human being <laughs> in some of these areas because you know finances is not just isolated as you were just saying to our experience as a professional it's it's closely related to who we are in the way we live our lives outside of that hat that we wear as an entrepreneur or as a musician or as a creative. So I wonder after all of this wonderful, you know, chat that we've had at the core of it all, Katie, do you believe that having a financially stable career is possible for people working in creative fields? I do. I do. Yeah. I think, you know, whether you are working for someone else or whether you are working for yourself, I think it might take some time. Sometimes it might, again, take some negotiation. It might take some job hopping or learning skills so that you can kind of further yourself. But I do really believe that you can have a thriving financial, you know, career from your creative career. Yeah, so do we. <laughs> we do, we do. And, yeah. and I mean, we're living it. And I think that it's definitely possible um, 
people in the music therapy world, if you want to come and chat with us about anything related to entrepreneurship in this field specifically, Mm -hmm. please reach out. We're not ashamed to talk about these things. Um, I think it's a matter of finding your community, people that you're okay and comfortable talking with and that are going to be open and honest with you. Like you've said a lot of real and honest things today on this Mm -hmm. podcast. And I commend you because that's what this space is for. Like we don't want to sugarcoat things for people. This is an an honest and an open conversation that we like to have. So I thank you for your candidness. Is that a word? (laughs) (laughs) To be here with us and to chat about this. And if people want to connect with you and learn more about your programs and your offerings and, and just connect with you in general, how can they find you and get in touch? Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. And again, I really believe that it is possible for everyone. I think it's just about having these open conversations, staying on top of and aware of your finances instead of just letting them happen to you. And again, like doing whatever it is you need to do to get ahead and get the experience so that you can either have your own business or a position that really is in alignment and pays you well. Um, If you want to connect with me, my website is katiezacardi.com. I'm on Instagram at Katie Zaccardi and out to be coaching for coaching content and um, on TikTok at Katie.Zaccardi. Yeah. And all of those will be linked in the the description below this episode. Uh, Thank you again so much for coming and chatting with us. I was just going to say thank you, Katie, so much for coming to chat with us. I think there are some really, really lovely pieces of information that needed to be shared here, echoing Haley's uh, appreciation for your candor and your authenticity and openness here, because this is these are the types of chats we like to have at the Able Voice podcast. And I do hope that everyone listening, yeah, come and chat with us, go and chat with Katie and do what you got to do to create the path that fulfills you and makes you feel the life that you want to live. Thank you for listening to the Able Voice podcast. If you want to hear more episodes like this, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at Synergy Music Therapy. You can also find links to our most recent and top rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.